0: Welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. Hey everybody, welcome. This is the Real Estate Investing Mastery Podcast. I have a special guest with you. I'm Joe McCall and Alex couldn't be with me today. But uh, guys, go to realestateinvestingmastery.com to check out these show notes to get a transcription of this podcast, all of our previous episodes you can listen to. You can also download our Fast Cash Survival Kit. It's all about wholesaling, how to make quick cash, flipping real estate, and you're really going to get a lot out of it. But I want to jump right into this uh, interview with Linda McKissick because we've been having some audio technical difficulties, and, and I've been making Linda wait. And I feel very, uh, I apologize for being so rude, Linda. Hope you're doing well.
1: I am doing well, and no apologies necessary.
0: Oh, <laughs> Thank you very much. Guys, Linda McKissick has been around and doing this business for a long time. And if you have been in the Keller Williams circles, you probably have heard her her name before. And I'm looking right now at a book she wrote uh, on the Kindle. I don't have it in front of me, but it's a really good book called Hold how to find buy and rent houses for wealth chances are if you've been in a barnes and noble you have seen this book in the barnes and noble um linda how are you doing
1: i'm doing fantastic joe
0: excellent i'm glad you're here and last time we talked i was in carcassonne france yes and, and i was
1: very jealous
0: <laughs> <laughs> my uh my member very vividly where we were we were on the streets shopping and my wife was with my kids in a um Kids store like with kids, it's hard to find in some of these places. Um, store t- stores that are catered for kids, clothing and toys and things like that. But we were at one, and so I was talking with you for um, about fifteen twenty minutes while they were in that shop. And anyway, so um, I'm really honored to have you on the show. Thanks for taking the time to be here. Can Linda, can you just um, give us a little bit of background? You know where. How'd you get started in real estate, and then I want to ask you some more questions about how you came to write this book and kind of your your story on the, the buy and hold investment strategies and the and the hold formula that uh, you talk about. So, how'd you get started in, in in this real estate business, Linda?
1: Well, I got started in the real estate business uh, because in 1986, for those of you who lived in Texas, Oklahoma, or Arkansas, you will very very vividly remember what happened. Our economy actually was built on real estate, oil, and savings and loan, and they all kind of crashed at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, now I'm 23 years old. I don't even know what the word economy means, much less whether it's a good one out there or a bad one. But my husband had been in the restaurant um, business, and you know I knew something was wrong because, quite honestly, Joe he didn't want to go to bed at night, and uh, the reason he didn't want to go to bed at night is because when he early the next morning bankers would usually start calling because uh, what you did in the eighties when you owned a business is you took out lines of credit and when those lines of credit came due, you just renewed them. And so we had been doing that for a while, apparently in our business. And also if you haven't really paid attention to your real estate clauses and your business uh, notes, they all actually say that if the bank gets nervous or concerned for any reason, they can actually call your notes due. And so mm-hmm. um We actually didn't own real estate at the time, but we had business loans. And so when my husband came to me, he said, we're $600,000 upside down in debt and I need your help. Uh, And so at that point, I had only, I'm a hard worker. I come from a family of hard workers in our family. If one job isn't enough, you get two. If two isn't enough, you get three. But what you don't do is not pay back people who have loaned you money. So we put our heads together and he had said to me that a mentor of his, a Pee Wee football coach who kind of stayed his mentor all through high school had said to him one time, if you want to make a lot of money, real estate is the way to do it. And so when he suggested that to me, I said, that sounds great. How do I do that? And so he kind of he said, you take a course, you, you, know, you go out and start selling houses. And so we laughed today, Joe, because I think the mentor really meant if you want to make a lot of money, you buy real estate. But for whatever reason, um, it worked. I got in the real estate business and there was just enough of hmm. what you had to do that matched who I was and so we started making money, but very quickly we realized that the last day we took up our last sign would be our very last dollar. And so that's when we turned to building a backup plan through investing in real estate. We decided that we would need someday, if we had $250,000 coming in passively, that that would that would be able to be our income if we didn't want to work or couldn't work. And so that was our very first original plan was to create $250,000. And so we set out to buy our 20 properties, have them free and clear in about 15 years because my husband was 40 at the time when we bought our first investment property. And um, that was our plan. Buy 20 houses, pay them off in 15, no more than 20 years, and then have about $250,000 coming in passively to us. And Wow. So
0: that's, a that's, a pretty, that's a pretty aggressive plan
1: it is a pretty aggressive plan but it's you know to me i think one thing that a plan does is it kind of breaks it down and makes you realize it's not as complicated as you think it is when uh. you think about it you know just in a whole it can be overwhelming but when you break it down and say okay that means you know we really need to buy so many houses a year and we need to have them within the next 5 years we need to have those 20 properties purchased and and so we just said well look if we follow this plan and we have $250,000 coming in passively then we will kind of secure ourselves should anything like this happen again in the economy? And of course, we've seen several uh, crashes since then. And so that was really our original reason to sit out. And then, you know, fast forward 20 something years later, we now have 108 of those single family properties and, you know, uh, 12 nightly rentals and six commercial buildings. And uh, that's when we decided, you know what, there's a lot of people that really would love to know how to do this. And we think, everyone needs more than one stream of income. You know, 1950, one stream might have been enough. 2015 and forward, I honestly don't believe one stream of income is going to be enough for anyone. Yeah. And so that, that's kind of, we thought, well, maybe other people would like to hear. We think we're pretty simple people and we don't take super high you know, risk. We don't you know, teach you how to do it you know, with zero down because that wasn't the way we did it. And we said, well, maybe other people would like to know our simple formula and how we did it. So maybe it could encourage mm-hmm. other people to do the same thing.
0: Excellent. So that's fantastic. You've gone up to 108 single-family rentals, 12 nightly rentals, and how many commercial properties did you say? Uh,
1: Six commercial properties, and of those, we have a business uh, in those. You know, know, one of the things that we did early on is we started saying, well, if we're going to build wealth, we got to learn what the wealthy people do. So we started reading books like Cashflow Quadrant, The Wealthy Barber, The Millionaire Next Door. We started reading all the books. And one of the things that we discovered that was really kind of a life changing moment for us was in Cashflow Quadrant. When you look at the, the quadrant that uh, Kiyosaki puts up there where he says 95% of the people make their money on the left side of the quadrant, which means we're either employees or we're self-employed. Uh, and only five percent, which is wealthy, makes their money from the right side of the quadrant, which is businesses or investing and When you look at investing, you have a couple of choices: you can either do stocks which we stink at don 't ever follow our plan on that one, even <laughs> if we write a book don't yeah. don 't read that one uh, or real estate and um, so real estate was something we felt like that we could you know we were already in the middle of it that 's how I, I made a living, and so we could learn it and figure it out and so uh, re- real estate investing was the other one we picked and then after that we decided that we would learn and master how to run successful businesses also so those are the two you know there's only three ways stock uh, investing real estate or businesses and so we picked real estate and businesses and so of those six commercial buildings we actually have a business in those buildings
0: excellent excellent you know um, it's been a long time since i've read those books cash flow quadrant and the rich dad poor dad if anybody has not read those books yet you definitely need to get to them and uh, one of the things I like about real estate compared to stocks, and you were talking about this, was that with real estate, you can actually control the outcome of it. In other words, you can do something to that real estate that adds value and will increase the price. When you own a stock in a company, there is absolutely nothing you can do to make that company more profitable. You know, maybe you can go out and buy more of their iPhones and Mac computers. Um, you know, you can go to the board meetings and you can vote, maybe, if you have enough stock, right? But what else can you do? When you own real estate, it's so much easier to grow the investment by adding value in giving something, building something into the company that you you own. So I think that's fantastic. Uh, you went from, can you, you talk about a hold formula. Now, we'll, we'll talk about the book here in a minute. I'm really intrigued by your first goal there to get 20 free and clear homes, that make t- that made passive income of 250 thousand. Now, when you say passive income, Linda, is that just the gross rents that's coming in, or is that the the passive income that's after your expenses?
1: Yeah, that would be that would be at free and clear um, once the property is paid off.
0: Okay. Is it, now, some people looking at that think, "Oh man, that's a that's a I don't know if I could ever do that or can you break down maybe a little simple um, what would you say strategy or how can someone break that down and and get a plan like you had to get that many properties in that many years free and clear does that make sense
1: yeah absolutely and you know I think you know I think the pain of you know i think there's you know there's hassle in anything right yeah uh, and so my philosophy on this and Jim's philosophy on this was You know what we're trading for is the hassle of something greater in the future, and so I think when the pain of staying where you are or where your life might be headed um, is great enough, then you'll take those steps and you'll you know kind of be okay with the with the hassles or the you know the inconveniences that you have from doing these because you know quite honestly you can minimize these hassles and these things that most people won't do real estate because of, but what the way we looked at it was if we fast forward our life, you know, 20 or 30 years and our peak income years were no longer there. We we realized you can't save your way to wealth. Okay. So once you know, that's not a possibility, then what are you going to do? Um, you know, what are your options? And then once we read the books and we realized what our few options were, then we said, okay, of these options, which ones could we see us learning or mastering? And so real estate was one and then businesses was the other. And so, you know, when you fast forward, if you, if you do nothing, and you fast forward twenty years, what do you have? You know, we we're already a generation that's seeing our kids and our parents need our financial assistance, and so if we're already seeing that, and we see what they did, we have to do something different. Yeah. And so, you know, um, that's where I think you have to have that. When you have a, a, as Dan Sullivan likes to say, I love, love Dan. And one of the things he likes to say is when you have a bigger, brighter future, it's going to pull you through the the day-to-day task or the day-to-day decisions. And so it was that bigger, brighter future, you know, having that pain of being where we were in the eighties where we were in a situation, situation where we didn't have a lot of control, but we were, you know, we were just struggling because of things that had happened outside of our control we said, what could we do moving forward that we protect ourselves a little bit from all those outside things that you never know are gonna happen that are gonna come across your, your your life? And so I think when the again, when you have a bigger, brighter future that you're headed towards, that's what's gonna pull you through all the little things day to day, the little hassles and and all that kind of stuff. And you know, I, you know, I know all the reasons people don't invest in real estate, they, you know, the management hassles and, you know, they don't have the money. And when honestly, when we bought our first property, we were still digging our way out of that six hundred thousand dollars in debt, which, by the way, we never filed bankruptcy. We worked our way out because back then you could um, you could actually they would discount your note. They would come to you and say, look, we'll take 40 cents on a dollar if you'll come up with the cash. Uh, to do this. And so between what I was doing in real estate and what my husband was hanging on to in his restaurant businesses, we managed to to do that. But when we bought our first property, you know, uh, we didn't actually have the money or the the credit to go do it. And so I went out and found a partner, which was a builder I had been working with for the last three or four years. And I knew him well enough to know how his integrity and how he deal, dealt with money when money was on the line, right? Money amplifies you, age amplifies you, right? Yeah. So I knew enough about Lou to know I could trust him and I could feel good and so I approached him and shared the first first well actually the first three deals with him and that's how we we got started. And so you know I believe once you're committed to something and you have a big bright future that you're headed towards, the how gets figured out. Hmm. you know the how you do it will get just get figured out.
0: That's really good, really good. You do have in your book the Hold book How to find buy and rent houses for wealth. Um, You talk about the four stages of buying property or, you know, owning. Actually, there's five stages of um, building a a long-term wealth with real estate. Can we talk about those real quick, Linda? Can we talk about the first one, find? I'll just give the five steps here. Number one is find. Number two is analyze. Number three is buy. Number four is manage. And number five is stage five is to grow. Is it okay, Linda, if we just tackle these one at a time real quick? Sure.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, I think um, the, the, what I believe about finding real estate is this, until, you're, until you've made that commitment to get in that game and understand it, it'll look like there's never any deals. But I want you to know we have bought in every single market that we've been through. And we've been through a lot of markets. We've been a lot of ups and a lot of downs. And there's always good deals to find but you have to know what you're looking for. And so I've always believed that, you know, there's lots of opportunities out in the world, but until we're the person that's ready to see those opportunity, other people will see them and we won't. And so to me, you have to begin to understand and learn, you know, what's your formula, you know, what, what's your criteria? Because if you don't have a criteria, you're going to wind up making a bad decision. And then this thing, you're going to believe this thing doesn't work. And so we started with a very good uh, formula and our formula was to buy the property at 10% or grow, or greater below market value so it has to be a good deal going in we're not going to speculate have seen a lot of people lose their real estate because they were speculators not investors yeah we we wanted to put at least 20% or more down payment down depending on what we needed to do depending on the market we were in be at a 70 to 30 loan to value ratio and we needed our properties to cash flow a minimum of $200 a month after principals, interest taxes and insurance and so and that was on about a fifteen year every once in a while we would do a twenty year mortgage, but we tried to keep it within a fifteen year and the reason we did that is because we already knew in the end what we were after uh, and we knew where we were when we were starting so uh what that meant was my husband was forty we were trying to we knew we were in our peak earning years at the time, and so it wasn't really money we needed right then it's money in the future we were trying to accomplish and so that's how we came up with our formula the only other two pieces of formula are that have changed over the years but have come up to be three or four bedroom brick or stucco if possible and we'd like to try to buy homes in stable or appreciating neighborhoods but those came later that wasn't our original original we fell in love with the old hardwood floors and uh, very quickly we fell out of love with those (laughs) oh yeah so so that was kind of our you have to start with a formula so first of all where are you going why are you doing this you know some people just want to send a kid to college and that's a great plan So if that's your plan, then you start with that and you figure out okay, what's my formula? What's my comfort level? What's what's the formula that I, I tell whether a property actually qualifies or not? And then um the second thing is to tell everybody you know that you're looking to 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 do investments. And then what I've discovered is the more I got in the game, the more deals will just start coming to you. And so finding them to me, starts with a formula because I think you think there's going to be a hard time finding them. You're going to find a lot of properties, but what you're going to have to figure out very quickly is, do they fit my formula and do they fit for what I'm trying to accomplish? And so, you know, always, we always say there's always going to be, you know, the, the D's, the divorce, uh, the stress, the drugs and, you know, unfortunately, death. And so those situations in people's lives always cause an opportunity for someone to help that person out and give them cash quicker so that they can move on to whatever it is they need to move on to. And so, um, you know, once you know that now, by the way, if you're ready, there are some markets that are going to deliver you a lot more properties, uh, than would other than other than other markets do. And so, you know, that's when you really hope you have cash put away or, or you, you are ready to to buy properties. And then You know, the other the tougher markets, you just got to dig a little bit more and you got to know where are those deals. And right now, um, there's a lot of investor-to-investor deals going back and forth. Uh, There's also, you know, we tell every realtor that we know, we don't really want the commission even though we're licensed and could take it. What we really want is the deal. You go find us the deal, you get to keep the commission. And so you tell enough people. uh, And then also I've, I've noticed from other people that are investing, if they narrow their niche down, like let's say they, they pick this neighborhood where most of the neighborhood is retiring, uh, then then they what word of mouth happens is they start getting deals from neighbors telling someone else that that they buy houses in that neighborhood. So I think you find the deals first after you um, after you have a criteria and you know what you're looking for, and then what you'll see is the more you invest, the more deals you're going to be able to find.
0: Yeah, that's really good and helpful. Can you give us an example of a deal Linda that um, in in a market that you're in. and I'm, and I'm you're in Texas, isn't that right?
1: I am in Texas. Yeah, great economy right now. Awesome.
0: Okay, so you know there's different neighborhoods. There's the neighborhoods where maybe 75% of the properties are rentals, okay? Um, I'm thinking Midwest and maybe even parts of Texas, except except maybe Austin. All right. There's homes that you could buy there in the thirty dollars to $50,000 price range, okay? There there may be some... There's two bedrooms and three bedrooms, but they're older. Um, again, a high percentage of rentals in those neighborhoods. It's not where the first-time homebuyer is going to buy homes. They're kind of on the lower end of the scale of mm-hmm. properties. Is that where you're buying these rentals at, or are they kind of in the middle?
1: No. Uh, one of the things that I, that we tell people to do when they, when they start to invest is we say, look, once you find a great property manager and go find out where, what we call the sweet spot is um, because that sweet spot is a place. Cause what you have to be careful of is, you know, th- because of the last crash we had, you got a lot larger homes being rented now than you have in the past. And so what we try to do is stay within that sweet spot, no matter what market we're in. In other words, there's going to be some really good deals that are upper, let's say, three or four hundred thousand, and those may be rentable now because we're still we're still recovering from the last crash. But what we believe is as the market gets better, those tend to go away. Those people tend to buy houses. And so we like to stay in what we call the our sweet spot. And so we tell everybody, if you're in a location, go meet with a couple of property managers and ask them this question. Where do you wish you had a hundred more houses to lease right now? What price range? And probably that's going to be your sweet spot. And so for us, it's about twelve to $1,500, maybe $1,600 uh, monthly rentals right now. And um, that's the sweet spot kind of always. Uh, if you can get something lower, those always do better. But we, tr- we try to always make sure we don't go up much higher than about you know, $1,600, $1,800 uh, per month because we've learned our market well enough to know that's kind of our, our sweet spot.
0: Okay. And so that, would I, I knowing a little bit what I do about Texas, that's going to be those home prices are going to be maybe in the hundred thousand dollar price range, right? Right yeah, about a hundred thousand dollars. Absolutely.
1: absolutely. And if we buy them, you know, a few years ago we were buying a well. We actually bought one um, last month on the uh, not last month uh, month before last on the foreclosure sale uh, step. So. Be, be, you know, a few years ago, you could buy a ton of those on the foreclosure steps. Now it's, it's, it's shrink, that market has, has shrank. And so, but you still can buy one or two here and there. And so, yeah, you can, you, you know, in the good times you bought those for, you know, 70,000, 80,000, you know, now you're, you're having to pay in the hundred thousand range, lower one hundreds. But they're, they're, it's a great rental market. So if you can find them, and, you know, another fallacy right now is, People think there's no good deals, but actually there are deals that you can pay a pretty decent price for now and run the numbers and they still work. And so you have to know a formula. You have to start with a formula so that you can decide whether a property fits or doesn't fit. But, yeah, we've we've got um, – you know, that price range right there is a sweet spot. If you can buy things in that price range, you can rent them out all day long.
0: Well, and, and I've owned enough rental properties myself as well to know that when you have those nicer homes – you get better tenants, and guess what? <laughs> better tenants mean less headaches, less yeah. management expenses, right? They're easier to fill, less vacancies. There's so many advantages, and you know, I, I can understand. There's a place, and maybe there is some. Uh, if you're willing to take the risk, it's kind of like um, you know, in the stock market, there's certain stocks or sectors that are more risky than others. If you're going to be buying these properties in the low-end areas that rent for maybe just $800 to $1,000 a month that you can put, buy for thirty dollars to fifty dollars those are still good properties. You know, the numbers, the ROI is still really good. But just go into that knowing that there's going to be more risk in those types of properties, right? There's going to be um, – it, it, it may be when you have a vacancy, it's harder to fill. So you're not getting – I, I love this strategy because you're 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 paying these off in fifteen years and these are gonna be properties in high demand areas with good school districts that you're never gonna have a problem filling with tenants. Never.
1: Yeah, one of our reasonings early on to do single family uh you, you know, because obviously you're dealing in volume, so you're gonna you know gonna have a little more hassle than if you just had, you know, a set of apartments maybe. But the way we looked at it was when we got ready to sell them, we would be able to sell them. We could buy them at wholesale and sell them at retail. Mm-hmm. And when you are, you know, selling another investment property, you're typically selling it on the on the numbers in the cash flow. And so that, you know, that restricts a little bit how far up the market will can and actually will go. And so that was another reasoning for us to do single family. One, we knew it. But number two, we could eventually sell... I mean, like, I tell you what's really tough right now, Joe, is the market is so good. Some of the houses we bought on the foreclosure sale, you could double your money, and it's real tempting to do that. We have to remember our strategy is to hold, and, and um, you know, so it's real tempting to sell because this market is so high right now, but um, you get to sell to retail buyers when you do sell those.
0: Right. You know, and I'm looking here just at the numbers while you were talking, Linda. I just put some numbers together in a quick little spreadsheet here. And if you're getting these properties at a 10% discount, you're putting 20% or more. You're putting about 20% down. You're paying it off in 15 years. And I just did a conservative 6% interest. Um, and it, that $120,000 property, I know in St. Louis I could rent it easily for 1200 and I'm being conservative there. Um, that cash flow looks pretty good. I have to double-check my numbers here. I'm putting myself on the spot. But um, that easily fits into your formula. And again, those aren't numbers that are probably as good as what you can get if you go into the inner city or the hood where you can get maybe bigger cash flow. But if you pay that property off in 15 years, um, what a great investment. What a great investment. And so when you're looking at a plan like this to own 20 free and clear homes in 15 or 20 years, your goal was to buy all of those 20 within five years, right? Mm -hmm. So then you have them all paid off. And let's just do simple math here. $1,200 per month in rent times 20 is $24,000 a month, right? That's $288,000 in gross rents per year. Uh, That's – you you just look at the numbers and and you're not – it's it's not about the the quick cash risky investments. This is more or less about building long term wealth, that you know in fifteen to twenty years when you have all of these things paid off. Um, that's that is in, that is that's an investment that you can you can actually feel comfortable with. So I like that a lot. I like that a lot. Now we're back to the the five stages. We talked about the find. You have to have a formula. Can you talk a little bit about analyzing these properties? Do you have you know, software, spreadsheets that help you analyze the properties and keep track of this stuff, Linda?
1: Well, I'd love to say yes, but remember I said on the very, very beginning. We're very simple people. I'm going to tell you I've always been the kind of person – that you know, I'm in real estate, so I've learned uh, how to do return on investment, return on cash, all those things. But the reality is, is I want to be able to pencil it out on a piece of paper. If I can run the numbers and I can take a pencil and I can scratch it out, and it makes sense and it fits my formula, that's going to be my spreadsheet. Mm-hmm. Now on KellerInc.com, we have put together some forms and things for people to to to, to do an analysis of the property but I I'm, you know, I'm going to trust my pen and paper every day, all day long. And so for me, I know what I'm looking for and I scratch it out. And if it works, we do the deal. And that's really honestly the way we've always done it. We've never ran, you know, spreadsheets and all those things, because here's what I've learned about typically when people do that, they, they get paralysis and they don't move because, mm-hmm. um, If you notice on our formula, we don't even figure vacancy rates. We don't figure any of those things. What we do is we, if it fits that criteria, we do it. Now, here's the things we knew about ourselves. Remember, we were in our peak earning years, so we weren't trying to figure out money to live off today. We're trying to figure out money to live off later. And so we, uh, and honestly, on the front end, some, sometimes we're really tight, you know, uh, back when the rental market was, was tough, it was a little tighter, You know, now it's not as tight. You, 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 know, the the rents are up, everything's great. So, you know, for us, we didn't really have to know every penny to the thing. And and what I find when people do that, when they're a little bit analytical and they, then they start doing it, they wind up not doing the deal. And so um, for us, this is what works. Scratch it out on a piece of paper. It works. We're going to do the deal. We're not going to do 10 page spreadsheet, all that stuff. That's just not who we are and that's just not how we've done it. So, Um, But we do have forms on, you know, Keller Inc. has put forms on their website for people to download and do for all the people that like that kind of stuff. (laughs)
0: The
1: main thing I got to do is understand the numbers and believe that that I'm not taking any risks that I haven't pre-planned to take on the front end.
0: Absolutely right. You can spreadsheet yourself to death. And the funny thing is with spreadsheets is you can have a spreadsheet tell you anything you want it to tell you right you can you can yeah. you can tweak those numbers and twist them around and and I get it I'm guilty of that I'm guilty of that as well and I'm guilty of being looking at a, a deal analyzing it and getting paralyzed they call it analysis of paralysis paralysis of analysis anyway okay so you're just pen and paper look at the numbers and you're you're looking at this from a longer term perspective so you're okay with tighter cash flow at the beginning but you know in 15 years 10 to 15 years you're going to pay this thing off when you what, real quick I wanted to ask you about that Linda when you are when you do buy these properties are you using the extra cash flow to pay them down early What are you doing with a little bit of it? In early
1: days, we just put it back in the account and just let it build up because, you know, property taxes are going to come due. You know, we we do really well. We spend, you know, a certain, uh, at least a team member on our team spends a certain amount of time each year going in and trying to, you know, fight those property taxes. We have pretty high property taxes in Texas. So we, we have somebody that goes in and very critically tries to help get those taxes down because that's a place where you can you can get caught off guard at the end of the year if you're not paying attention, if, if you're on a short margin like we are, we, we are on those properties. And so in the beginning, all the money just went in the count and kept building up just in case, you know, we had, you know, things we hadn't factored in. Now today, um, you know, we've got, we have properties that are paid off, you know, quite a few of them. And so what we do is we take those properties and then we take that money and apply into the next lowest principal property that we have. And so we got a lot of that going on right now. Yeah. Uh, and we, we, we keep reinvesting, you know, back into real estate. We very seldom let a lot of cash sit on the sideline and do nothing. We keep, you know, that's one reason why we've ventured off into these, uh, nightly rentals now and, and we're building three more. We're, we're, we're finishing one on the lake, uh, which makes our thirteenth property, and then we've got three more that are being built. Uh, that they're they've just kind of, you know, started on the foundations and stuff up there. So we're you know we just keep putting that money keep putting money back into real estate, uh, and and we keep now we've started paying off you know more of those properties.
0: Excellent. Okay, I want to talk about the nightly rentals too, but um, we talked about find analyze a little bit and buy. Talk about how you're buying these properties. You mentioned some partners that you used at the beginning. Um, is, it, is it still possible to get financing on rental properties?
1: Oh, absolutely. And, you know, uh, back early on, after we did the first three with Lou, um, the, first, the first very first property we did was actually a flip uh, because we needed cash um, and we were short on cash. And so it was actually a property that uh, I went into the appointment and the seller said, look, I want to sell quick. And we've got some issues here, but I wanted to sell it as is, so I'd like to sell it to investor. And so I went and found Lou. We bought that property. I, I had figured that I thought we could probably make fifteen thousand on that property. We made exactly fifteen. Uh, so we took that fifteen. And about that time, back in the eighties, the foreclosures were RTC properties. And so an agent in my office said, "Hey, I've got an old property close to the college. If you guys are interested." And so we took Lou over there. We took that fifteen, rolled it into there. And he did the uh, rehab on that one. And then when very quickly we found another one, we have two major colleges in our area. So we found another one over by the other college. We purchased it the same way with Lou as our partner. We threw our commission in uh, when there was commission on them and and that helped a little bit. And then Lou did the rehab. But after those three, uh, we sold the first one, the second uh the two number 2 and number 3 property we actually went to Lou and said hey which one would you want we'll split these up uh which one would you want and you know we'll keep the other whichever one you don't want so he picked one and then we kept the the other one and um you know that one actually uh we laugh because now that one pays us about $2200 a month free and clear uh which is Jim got his uh, income, his statement from the uh, Social Security that they would pay him thirteen hundred if he took his money early, and so we laugh and go, one property pays is twenty two, and they're gonna after forty years of work to pay you thirteen hundred dollars a month, and so those we did with Lou because we were in the financial situation we were in. Next, I think back then the limit was about ten properties, or it was either ten or eight. I can't remember on if you went out to mortgage companies and got your loan, So we went there first and got the first eight or ten, whatever it was. Um, back then that whatever the limit was. And then after that, we, we were, you know, we were getting our feet back under us and everything was good still. So what we did was we now went to a bank, we went to a locally owned bank where we yeah. actually knew the president of the bank and we started getting lines of credit. And so that's how we started buying and that's how we still buy today is um, with banks. We just, you know, we, we you know, had, had our limit and that's what we tell people to do. go, go get your limit, Limit from a mortgage company, and then switch to to a banker, and try to look for a locally owned bank if you can.
0: Yeah, that's that's really good. I the the idea that you were talking about with partnering with investors is really smart. Um, I did an interview with Steve Cook. Have you heard it? Does that name ring a bell to you, Linda?
1: I haven't. uh
0: -uh. I did an interview with Steve Cook, and we talked about debt free investing. And how to invest in these properties and build a portfolio of rentals without going into any debt. And Mm. it's through partnering with people. And same principle. You know, you find an investor and you partner with them on 10 deals. And uh, they lend the money, but you find the deal, you manage it, and uh, you become 50-50 partners on those deals. Anyways, I won't go into all the details, but if anybody's interested in that, just go look up the interviews I did with Steve Cook. Or look him up. Um, just Google Steve Cook, debt free investing, um, and we talked about those same exact strategies. All right, so we talked about the find, the analyze, buy, manage. How do you manage your properties, Linda? Uh,
1: and that's changed over the years. Uh, when we first started, um, we managed them ourselves for a few for a little while. If I had it to do over again. Uh, I would just put that job description with one of my team members because I already have people that work for me. It would it would become somebody else's job description right off right off the bat. Uh, but we did manage ours a little bit uh, on the front end, and then because the crash app happened in the '80s the way it did, we actually wound up being a property management company ourselves because a lot of my sellers that really trusted me had to move away without selling their property, and they wouldn't leave without me agreeing to manage it. So somehow I became a property management company, which was a whole nightmare in itself. But anyway, so um, because, uh, yeah, it's just, it's a whole different, you make money on pennies in that one. And so that that one wasn't a great uh, business for us at the time, because with what we knew, we didn't know enough. There's lots of reasons. But anyway, so we managed our properties and other people's. And we had a girl that ran the property management company for us. And that worked great for a while, but then it kind of went south. But we um, then uh, hired other property management companies and, and had some good experiences and had some not so good experiences. What we do today that works fabulous is we have a, I think he, uh, Tom's about 70. He's a, he's a boomer that is on his second career. He had a very successful first career, moved here locally. He was one of my past sellers. He moved here to be close to grandchildren, but wasn't really ready to retire Hmm. and real, real sharp. He's a DC behavior. For those of you who understand behavioral styles, he's a driver analytical. So he likes things, you know, he likes to take action, but he also likes things correct. So he's the perfect property manager and he only manages our properties, which is working fabulously. Um, and, um, if I had to do over again, I probably would probably start out that way rather than end up that way. Cause it's been really, really successful for us.
0: I have some friends in the Baltimore area who for years have been struggling with their property management companies, you know, managing the manager and always being frustrated with beating them over the head. And part of the reason was number one, they didn't have nice properties in nice areas, but even if you have nice properties, in nice areas, you're going to have management headaches. Um, for the, but not as big as if you would have if you were in the cheaper areas. Anyway, they just decided one day, you know what? We're just going to bring manage our properties in-house. They got an assistant, a local assistant that works part-time in their office. And they said it was amazing the difference. When they started managing it themselves, brought it in-house, it wasn't as hard as they thought it would be. And because they, were, they just gave the process manual and some books to the part-time assistant and said, here, do this stuff and manage our properties for us. They were paying a little bit more than a property manager, but the reward, the the more restful, peaceful nights of sleep was way worth it. And they actually found out they enjoyed it. They enjoyed... Managing their own properties because they were in more control. They were in control. They were making more money. And the, so anyway, something to think about. I, I really like the idea of bringing that in house, and it's not as hard as you think. I have my assistant managing my rentals for me right now.
1: Well, and what I found, Joe, is because there, you know, a lot of times with property management companies, you have, and there are some great ones, by the way. And it's a great, you know, it's a great solution in some time at some times. But um, you know, half the month's rent, lease up fees will eat your lunch. if Every time a tenant turns over, you have to pay half the month's rent for that. And so that's what I found really saved us money is we we got to go down a little bit on the percentage, uh, and uh, for that, we don't have him do the financial part. Our CFO does that, but we also uh, don't have to pay half a month's rent every time. He only gets money if it's rented, so he wants it rented, and he wants it rented fast. It really has worked out really well for us.
0: Very good. Very good. In fact, I'll do this Linda for everybody listening. And I hope this is okay. I didn't ask you about this before. Um, I did a course with a friend of mine called automatic landlord, automatic landlord. And if you guys want a copy of this course, I'll give it to you for free listening to this podcast. Um, but I want you to leave a review for in iTunes that you like the show. And so I'll have some information in the show notes. Um, you get that course for free. If you live a re- leave a review for the podcast, um, it's called The Automatic Landlord, and I'll get you that for free. Okay, Linda, so let's talk about the grow strategy, uh, the formula for, in the five stages. How do you grow this business? Um, and, and let me ask you, actually, rewind a little bit, Linda. Why did you want to grow? I mean, 20 properties free and clear, $250,000 mo- a year in cash flow, that's, that's pretty good. Why do you want to grow beyond that?
1: Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Uh, a lot of my family is asking me that, right? Why, how much is enough? When are you, you going to quit all this stuff you do? But you know what? Here's what I've discovered. This I've discovered that, you know, as in everything, you know, the hardest part is on the front end. Once you kind of know what you're doing, you start to realize that it's, you know, life is about becoming. And the way you become is to get up every day and achieve. A mentor of mine helped me discover that one day because I used to, you know, For us type A personalities, sometimes we just, you know, we do a lot. We don't just do a few. But if it's about the money, what I find is people do whatever they're going to do till they get to that dollar amount and they quit. And what I realized is, yes, on the front end we had to set a dollar amount uh, because we needed we needed to know that there was going to be a security or a place where we would we would feel okay that if we quit work or couldn 't work or couldn 't you know something happened and we couldn 't work, we had some security, but what I discovered after we got started was really you know it, it's it 's never about a certain dollar amount um, once you get up and learn what you 're doing you know twenty forty becomes as easy as twenty, and then one hundred and eight all of a sudden you wake up and you're at a hundred and eight and so You know, what I always tell people, if you make if you wind up, you know, don't set limits on yourself, because when we decide that we're only going to do a certain amount to me, I have to have a goal to get started. I have to have a number and you have to we have to say, okay, what's the plan to get there? But then once I kind of get comfortable with it and I understand what I'm doing, then it kind of the number just goes away and the plan just gets bigger and bigger. I've never done anything and got to the goal and then stopped ever Mm -hmm. because what you what you realize is, you know, we hear this all the time and it kind of becomes cliche and we ignore it. But life really is about the journey. Hmm. It's about who you become along the way. And I always believe that you wind up in the end, if you really love what you do and it's not, you know, you're not after just a certain dollar. What happens is you start another door starts to open, a door to be able to help other people do it. And, you know, some of my greatest joy is. You know the stay at home mom that is out investing now, or my nephew who decided you know early on that he was going to learn how to do it, or my son's friend who has been his friend since he's three that now owns two investment properties, hmm. what you discover is you have to become great at something to get to a place where you can do what I truly believe all of our purposes is to help other people do it too that that want to come along the journey and do it with you and so You know, if it was just really about a dollar amount, you would absolutely quit when you got that dollar amount. But what I found is I love who I become as I accomplish more and do more and then are able to help other people do the same thing.
0: Excellent. Good, good. So then, Linda, what for you, or what would you give to, what kind of advice would you give to people who do want to grow their real estate portfolio? Um, How do you grow it without taking on too much risk, too much debt?
1: Yeah. Um, You know, and that and and every only only the person listening this is going to know where they are. And so one of the things we tell people is, you know, decide what your lifestyle needs are. Not necessarily, you know, I hate to call it retirement needs, because I don't I think if you love what you do, you're going to never retire. You're just going to do less of the things you don't like to do each year. And so I like to say determine what your lifestyle needs are because when you know what those lifestyle needs are you you can kind of begin with a a goal and a number because you got to start with a number doesn't mean you you know later you might just kind of change the number it's it's okay to do that I used to not set a number because I was I was afraid I would want to change it and you do most of the time but what is your lifestyle needs what would be a comfortable lifestyle for you and and remember there are always going to be things that come up in your life that you have a chance to help someone else so what would that lifestyle number be Think about that. Set a plan around that. Get out of debt where you currently are, if at all possible, you know, so that you have more money to grow this plan. You know, don't overconsume. you know, control your wants and, you know, don't waste money because that mm-hmm. money could be making you money. And and um, so, you know, you have to once you kind of start growing this thing, you have to think about those things a little bit. Um, you want to convert your your income that you make into some type of asset uh, that's growing you know why you're still working at your job or your business or whatever, and then um, you know save for your down payments. You know early on, Joe, we didn't really have the down payments. Even after Lou was our partner, then we started having to come up with the down payments ourselves. So we had money automatically taken. My husband teases and says we have this. We had this disease called DMD, which is the disappearing money disease. <laughs> uh, and so we we put put an automatic plan in place that would take the money out of our commission checks right off the bat before we ever got the money. Hmm. And that money would go into an A.G. Edwards account and win at 15% of each check I made. And as that money got big enough, we would then uh, go out and have the down payment for another property. And so, you know, growing your portfolio means you kind of set, you start figuring out ways that you have more money to do that with. And And you start looking for ways to, you know, cut back on what you spend on things that really you'll never remember or don't, you know, don't really matter. And so you'll have more money to do those things, but really you got to figure out what does that lifestyle need? What's that number, you know, cons- consume your, you know, your, your spending that really is wasting. Yeah, uh, There's lots of those places. I did an exercise one time because I kept, we, we teach this uh, philosophy. We own three Keller Williams offices and we teach this, philosophy to our offices. And so everybody kept saying, well, I don't really have the money. Don't have the money. And so I kind of did this little test exercise where I spent a little bit of time and every time I would think about going out to eat, I'd put that money in a, in a, in a little side pocket of my purse. And then, you know, if I was going to go buy a pair of shoes, I'd put that money And before I knew it, I actually had enough money to pay off one of our properties, but I wanted to just prove to people, you can actually do it. The money's there. It's just, you're not choosing to spend it in that way. And so whatever you got to do, automatic, take the money out or whatever. The the single mom that I told you about her her story didn't actually make the book, but it's one of my favorite stories and she took her husband's bonuses when he would make bonuses at his, his company, she'd take that money and that would become their down payments on properties. So Excellent.
0: Excellent.
1: Just kind of figure out, you know, what do you need to do to keep being in this game and keep investing more and more and growing your portfolio.
0: Good. Okay, Linda, you mentioned before uh Something real briefly on nightly rentals. What is that? What What are nightly rentals?
1: Well, actually, I didn't know myself a few years ago. Um, I, I, I've mentioned a couple of times in in today's podcast about the the stay at home mom, and so I'll finish that story. And that story leads us to the nightly rentals. And so, um, actually, we I told you we teach this to and have been for years at our at our Keller Williams Market Centers. We teach and we allow our agents to bring a guest or a friend or a client with them. And so one of the years that we taught this, um, how we taught our philosophy on hold and how to buy investment properties, one of our agents brought a stay at home mom. And so a few weeks later um, I got the opportunity to present our investment formula at a Kiyosaki uh, event in Dallas. And this same stay at home mom came to that also. Now I have no idea that she's at either at either presentation But about eight months or so later, we run into her at our son's school uh, at a football game and she comes up to us and she says, you guys do not know me, but I have come to your presentations before and I just want you to know I have bought properties. And I want to say the number was like 12 or 20. It was this really big number. And We know enough people that hear our message that don't go out and buy that many properties that I immediately responded to her and said, oh my gosh you and I are new BFFs. And so what we're going to do, we're investor BFFs. And so what we're going to do is we're going to meet once a month. Let's you and I meet once a month at Barnes and Nobles and let's have a coffee and let's just hold each other accountable for buying investment property. Would that be something you'd be interested in? And she said, absolutely. So once a month, her and I meet at Barnes and Nobles and every time all she does is talk about these Cabins in Branson, Missouri. And to be honest with you, I'm halfway listening because I'm thinking Branson, Missouri. I'm in Texas. But one day, eight or nine months into our regular meeting, she says to me, I have short-selled two cabins and I can only buy one. Do you guys want
0: to buy one? And so you mean she I, bought a short sale? Is that what you mean? She, she
1: yeah, she, yeah, she learned how to. Sh- she owned one of these cabins back in the peak of the market, paid about two hundred eighty thousand for it. But when the market crashed, she after she had been to our investment seminar, she started figuring out how to do short sales. Okay. And so short sales on these cabins were about half the price they were originally. Yeah. So. She had been buying them her, herself, and then all of a sudden, she got to a situation where she had the opportunity to buy two, but she could only afford to buy one, and so my husband and I drew, drove to Branson, Missouri the very next day. Uh, it was actually the iciest day of the year we'd had, but what you normally would take us seven hours took us 14, but oh, when we wow. got there, we absolutely fell in love with these cabins. I mean, just fell in love with them. And so we said, yes. So we bought our first one and now we're about to be on our 13th one and then three more are being built this year. So we'll wow. be 14, 15, we'll be up to 17 uh, this year. So what's so cool about them and fun about them is when you read the guest book, you know, I've never had a tenant say to me, Oh my gosh, Linda, thank you. Best, you know, rental period of my life. Now they do say thank you. And you guys did a great job, that kind of stuff. But when you read these books and these people say, Oh my gosh, best family vacations we've ever had. I love these beds. You know, where'd you get them? Whatever. And it's just kind of fun. It's different and it's fun. And I like different and I like fun. And so, um, you know, you just, it's actually, well, if you haven't noticed, Airbnb has taken about probably what 30% of the hotel industry. Oh,
0: it's amazing. Uh, people
1: yeah. actually like these kind of vacations. And Branson, Missouri is beautiful. And it's a lot of fun. Johnny Morris who owns Bass Pro Shop is doing a lot of awesome great things in Branson, Missouri, so there's a lot of great stuff to do. Yeah. And so we just kind of fall in love with them. You know, I've I've learned how to negotiate um everything wholesale, so I buy everything wholesale because you have to fully furnish these things. It's like a it's like a hotel but it's a cabin. Sure. When people come in for so many days and, you know, every holiday, what what started happening, the reason I think we've gotten so many is because we would want to go up there, but we could never get in. And so we kept buying more cabins thinking, well, we'll get into one of these. And the demand has just grown so much that, um, you know, we actually have a hard time getting into our own cabins. But they're a lot of fun. People go for, you know, a week. Uh, sometimes they go for two or three weeks. You know, there's a great lake up there to go fishing. It's beautiful. Um Amusement park that's got about ten thousand Christmas lights at Christmas time. Uh, just a lot of fun stuff to do, and they're a lot. They're a lot of fun. They're different than just having you know regular rent houses, yeah. and you do have to furnish them. And so I've learned how to go in and buy everything wholesale because you know you the numbers. You know you get tied on the numbers, so you got to make the numbers work. So buying the, these wholesale and then fully furnishing them has been a lot of fun too. It's kind of just different and something unique.
0: Well, that's funny. Branson is it's a really great area to go. And, um, there's a, you, are you familiar with Table Rock?
1: We just, we just bought a a property that's being, my husband's up there right now, redoing it, trying to get ready, get it ready by Thanksgiving on Table Rock Lake. Oh
0: man. I love Table Rock. We go camping there a lot.
1: Yes. It's beautiful lake, beautiful lake, great fishing lake. So there's a lot of fishermen that come up. Uh, Johnny Morris has put a ton of wedding venues up there. There's beautiful places for weddings. He, he, uh, just recently took down Arnold Palmer's barn in Pennsylvania and they labeled it and uh, moved it to uh, top of the rock where his restaurant other restaurants are and so there's a wonderful restaurant called Arnie's that is actually Arnold Palmer's old barn from Pennsylvania so a lot of cool stuff happening up there and so a lot of families come and what I what I love about him is because these cabins are so big the extended families can come so you get the the grandkids and in the in the grandparents and then all the brothers and sisters, so you can bring big, large families with you, which is a lot of fun.
0: <laughs> That's so cool. Uh, I love uh, that part of Missouri. It's it's very beautiful. Now, are you buying any rentals or nightly rentals anywhere else, or is it just all in Branson?
1: No, I, we bought a ranch uh, here in uh, Texas uh, a couple of years ago. We haven't really had time to to do anything with it, but one of our thoughts is it's not very far uh, away from. Um, the, uh, Texas motor speedway. And so one of the things we, we thought we might do (laughs) is, um, do some Airbnb stuff or home away, uh, on the ranch just to kind of see how it does. But we haven't actually gotten to that yet our son got married and him and his wife moved in for a little while. So we haven't had time to do that, but that is on our plans to try to see if some of these things, uh, work, in other good locations and research. Uh, we will probably eventually before the end of the year or so put together a, a, an online program on teaching people how to do this. So part of what we'll do is the research of some of the other best locations to do, the, do these nightly rentals in.
0: Excellent. Well, you know, we talked about this when we were in France. We fell in love with Airbnb and uh, HomeAway.com. Um, another one is Booking.com. But you go into these cities like we were in Dubrovnik, Croatia. And you want to talk about disrupting the hotel industry. There, this was a place Dubrovnik, Croatia, maybe only had, I forget the exact numbers. I'm going to just guess as best I can. Maybe had like 20,000 hotel rooms, right? And since Airbnb, it just in the last year to two years, just in the last one to two years, the number of beds um, have jumped from 20,000 to over 60,000. And everybody that – not everybody, but a lot of the citizens that lived in Dubrovnik, which is in the old part of Dubrovnik, have actually moved out into the suburbs and are renting their homes out that have been passed down from generation to generation because they're really hard to buy in these areas where the tourists like to stay. So the cool thing then is if you're a tourist, you can find these incredible deals right in the heart of the most beautiful scenic places to see in Europe – for really cheap and these places are even nicer than hotels. You get your own kitchen, you get, you know, you can you get the whole range too. Let's say you're really broke, you can find places to rent that are really cheap, but it's amazing. So what's happened is everybody is actually winning except maybe the big hotel companies, but you know these these people that live in Dubrovnik are making good money with their rentals. The tourists like me going out there to see these places um, are staying in really nice homes cheaper than the hotels are that are nicer and bigger um, and it's amazing I love Airbnb if anybody wants to look into that um, just get the app for your smartphone airbnb pick a city pick la jolla something beautiful like that um, and just see what you can rent for the night on a in a one or two bedroom or a whole f- or a whole house. We rented a lot of because I have four kids. We were renting entire houses and, um, the deals we got were amazing. We, we, we stayed in an 800 year old chateau in Southern France for about five nights. It was amazing. It was so beautiful. It was huge. And you know, you, you can't find that kind of a place at hotels.com. <laughs> I'll just yeah, put it that, that way. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Linda. Um, that's awesome. Now I want to talk about Keller Williams real quick. Um, You've been part of Keller Williams. How long have you been with Keller Williams?
1: Wow, I joined Keller Williams in 1993.
0: Excellent, 93. And you're—they started in Texas, didn't they?
1: Yes, yes, out of Austin, Texas.
0: Yeah, I joined Keller Williams about two years ago, I think. I'm more on the investor side of things. I don't do much traditional. I don't do any traditional listings, but um, I've—I'm still to this day impressed with the the what do you, I don't know what you'd call it the camaraderie the environment the, the culture the culture that's the word thank you the culture of Keller Williams there is no other brokerage company out there that has the culture the excitement the training the material the the mentorship available that Keller Williams has i i'm really proud to call myself a Keller Williams agent and this is a company that I've been recommending to people for years. Even before I became an agent, Linda, I've been recommending to people to, to hang their license with a Keller Williams broker because for one big reason, they're very investor friendly. And um, talk a little bit about why you like Keller Williams and what has it meant to you? And yeah, you own three offices yourself.
1: Right. Absolutely. Well, uh, the reason I joined Keller Williams um was very important to me back then. But what I found is it wasn't a tip of the iceberg of the opportunities and the life-changing things that Keller Williams would do for me and for my family, uh, even for generationally. And so the beginning, when I first joined, I was already a, the number one agent in my city. Uh, and so uh, what I really was looking for was someone that would leave me alone and kind of let me be the brand that wouldn't fight me over who was the brand And so that was the original reason that I joined. Uh, They did have this thing called profit share. And to be honest with you, Joe, you know, I, I thought 50 more houses would solve all my problems back then. And so I wasn't interested in hearing about their profit share program. And so fast forward, you know, a few years and after I'm really tired from selling a lot of houses, a couple hundred homes a year and taking a couple hundred listings a year, I start to look at their profit share program and what I realized and the way I realized it was I was challenged to do a performa on it at one of our mastermind groups. And so I went away and, you know, anything sounds easy and great four months from now, right? (laughs) And so I went away and said, okay, I got to understand profit share because I got to stand in front of a room of top producers in my company and share with this performa that I have no idea how I'm going to do. So I did the found someone that was good in the company about helping me to understand where does Kellogg's profit share money even come from, and why would I want to you know try to help the company grow and get part of that profit share. And so once I did that pro forma, it was really really convicting to me that this was a great gift that this company had uh, given us, and that it could affect our kids and their kids. And so and plus, if I was going to be a leader in this company, and I didn't help, help other people see and understand it. Wow, that that could be something that could really cost um, some people some great opportunities, and so that made me really step up and go. Wait, if I really like this company and it's really good for me, and I do a great job of building great relationships in the real estate world, then I'm going to have some great opportunities to introduce other people to this company. And so, because I had kind of been out in the real estate world speaking and training and and helping other people try to build their real estate business it was the great leeway into building a great uh, profit share uh, opportunity inside KW. And so fast forward to now about 2007, I decided to take it seriously and set a goal to make a million dollars in Kello profit share. Wow! And so this year we'll make about a million two in Kello profit share program. And so I know very few companies period and no other real estate companies that will reward you if you, do great business with other associates and have the opportunity to build relationships with them. So if you were to ask them to come to one of our big two big events that we have over 10,000 people to, or one of our many, many classes, because we are a training and consulting company that's kind of thinly disguised as a real estate company, then you would take advantage of those opportunities. And so it is, you know, you talk about our culture and I think You know, when everybody's moving towards a common purpose of building careers worth having, lives worth living, and businesses worth owning, that's such a magnetic purpose statement that lots of people were willing to get on board. And then there were a few extra couple of things or a few things that really, if you wanted to take advantage of them, like our training and education to build a wonderful, big, profitable business for yourself, and then our profit share to be able to build a large passive stream for yourself also. So, yeah, I like you. Think it's a phenomenal company, and um, you know, I think I think lots of people have big opportunities uh, to build their businesses or to build their passive income inside KW.
0: Excellent, and you've written a very popular, well received, well liked book called Hold. And how did that opportunity open up for you?
1: Well, actually, Gary has mentored us for a year, Gary Keller. And so he knew he was finishing the, 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 he wanted to finish the last book in his millionaire series. He has millionaire real estate agent, millionaire real estate investor, and then there's Flip. And so he wanted to do the last of the series. And so he said, who better to be a part of that than the McKissicks? Because he knew our story and he knew how we had started to buy investment properties and where we were with it. And so he reached out to us and asked us, would we be be the co-authors? Uh, with another couple who's done a phenomenal job of not only investing but building a property management company, and so mm-hmm. that's how uh, the whole project got put together. And that was a great opportunity and a great blessing to be able to do that.
0: The thing I love about this book is that it it, it makes it sound really simple. <laughs> you know, it's not like you have to go and you find you have to find these properties at fifty sixty cents on the dollar. Um, there are a ton of properties out there right under our noses on the MLS that a good Keller Williams agent can help you find, right? That uh, you can implement this strategy on. You know, you still have to get a discount, but you're not trying to, um, you're not, it's obviously the bigger the discount you get, but this hold formula still works even if you're getting properties that are only 10 to 20% discount.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, And again, in some markets, we didn't have to put all that money down because if they would, you know, loan you the money and the house, you know, you bought the house under value enough, you know, that formula changes a little bit. But that one, this one, you can buy in every market. Yeah. I mean, every market you can find properties that fit this.
0: Yeah. And and it's all about the fundamentals, guys. All about the fundamentals. Because it doesn't matter if Linda has 108 single family rentals right now and they all cash flow, right? So what does it matter if the economy falls again and house values values drop in half again? It doesn't matter. People will always need a place to live. They'll always need a roof over their head, right? And I remember, uh, Linda, when the market crashed, because you've been through this a couple times, but in the last one in 2008, values dropped dr- quite dramatically, right? How much did rents drop?
1: Oh no! Actually, rents have just gotten better and better.
0: They didn't, yeah. Huh. You know, and you think about it. You think, whoa! I mean, what other investment uh, vehicle is there that offers that kind of risk reward ratio? You know, and as long as the property's cash flow and you're getting in that smart and you're getting out, you're you're paying off those those loans as quickly as possible. You can do really really well with this. So I'm I, I'm excited about that. I think it's important for people to understand. And, and especially for this podcast, we mostly talk about, um, well, we don't talk enough, I'll just say it this way, about these kinds of long-term wealth-building strategies. And I think this is so important. It's very critical. Everybody listening to this needs to go get the book Hold. If you want, just get it at Amazon. But Linda, you've got some um, links that you're going to uh, give to us. We have a free bonus that we can give to, out to folks and... Um, I wanted to ask if you could give that website out, and also talk about how people can get a hold of you and what's kind of what's what's in your future plans there, Linda.
1: Absolutely, yes. Um, we do have a, uh, a a neat little project that we've been working on that we'd love to share with people. I can't say that I got here by myself. I don't think any of us can. We I have a lot of great mentors. I've been blessed with a lot of great mentors and coaches. And so one of the things we we put together, that we'd love uh, to provide to everyone is um, a audio on all of my best lessons from my mentors and coaches throughout the year. And so if you have a your phone with you, you can text mentors, M-E-N-T-O-R-S, to 33444. That's mentors to 33444. And we'll provide to you this link for this audio uh, for you to listen to some of my great lessons from the wonderful mentors and coaches that I have. Because remember, no one succeeds alone. And we'd like to offer this to you for free, uh, just uh, as our gift to you. And then also, you know, what we discovered, Joe, is we were able to be able to really understand and master this this process of learning how to invest in real estate. And we are very simple people. And it's a very simple formula for that reason, because I think people can can hear about real estate investing and it can seem overwhelming and complicated and I always say that hopefully once you hear hear me speak you think man if she can do it I know I can do it and so one of the things that we've noticed after writing the book hold is people really want a little more help sometimes and so what we started creating is an online course just a basic course on how you start learning how to do investing and then later this year uh... we we also coach and teach a lot of real estate agents so we're also going to create our leverage online course on helping agents learn how to get leverage in their business. Because what I've discovered is when I was extremely successful, I was so busy and consumed with that time. I didn't have time to build my wealth. And so how do you get that leverage in your life and in your business so that you have the time to do the things that really, really matter and And so we're really excited about that. And then hopefully we'll finish our advanced real estate investing course uh, later this year for a little more complicated uh, processes and some of the how to buy the foreclosures and uh, how to do um, the nightly rentals.
0: Excellent. Excellent. And I just texted mentors, M-E-N-T-O-R-S, to this number, 33444. So text mentors to 33444. I got a text back saying Hey, please reply with a text containing your email address. I typed that in. I went to my email and there's a nice picture of you there. Top lessons learned. Listen to the audio. This works. <laughs> it really this is really cool. Absolutely. I like this. Absolutely. Um, okay, so guys, do you have a website that people can go to, or is that just the best way, Linda?
1: Absolutely. It's Linda McKissick, M-C-K-I-S-S-A-C-K dot com. And that's a way that if people are interested, they can kind of stay in touch with us, subscribe, and we'll keep you in, in, in informed with when we have our next advanced product coming out or when we have our leverage product coming out. Just for any of those, anybody that's interested.
0: Yeah. And so that website again is Linda, L I N D A, McKissick, M C K, excuse me, M C K I S S A C K. I'll have a link to all of this in the show notes. Guys, you can go to Real Estate Investing Mastery and get the show notes for all of that stuff. Um, I also have a book. What's the best way to get the book, Linda? Hold. Is it just go to Amazon or?
1: Yeah, Amazon.
0: Absolutely. Okay. It's an excellent book. Looking at it right now. Good. Well, thank you so much, Linda. Is there anything else you want to talk about? Anything that I maybe forgot to ask you?
1: Nope. I think we covered it, Joe, and I want to just say I, I appreciate you and thank you very much for this opportunity.
0: Good. And, and one more thing, Linda, if somebody wants to get a hold of you or ask you some questions about Keller Williams, what's the best way to do that?
1: Yeah, you can do McKissick at kw.com. And I'll be happy to answer anyone's questions or um, help them kind of see what their opportunity might be.
0: Excellent. Okay, good. Well, thank you, Linda. You've been a thank great you, uh, guest. I appreciate it very much.
1: Thank you. I appreciate the opportunity. You have a great day.
0: Take care. Bye-bye.